0: Hey there green future growers, thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app and let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just, um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey. Uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020. Still in the middle of this crazy time that we're going through in the United States. But green future growers, I have a special guest here for you that I think you're going to be excited because they're hosting a virtual summit for Earth Day. So it's called the Online Earth Week Summit and it's the week before so you can get excited and all sites of inspiration and there are seven live workshops, six virtual happy hours, unlimited inspiration, a grassroots climate action celebration. So if you're sitting around wondering, oh my goodness, here is going to be a great thing for you coming up really quick here where you can get um, inspired, probably meet some other like-minded people and just learn all sorts of cool things. So from the Green Team, T-E-A-M, Green Team Academy, here's Joan Gregerson to tell us all about the Online Earth Week Summit. Hi, Joan. Hey,
1: Jackie. Wow. So nice to be hanging out with you and all your garden pals out there so so uh hi everybody nice to it's just really great to to meet everybody and hang out with you
0: well we're excited to meet you because i just think what makes my show a success is my guests, but also just like especially this time in our life like knowing that listeners are out there are like-minded and they believe the same things as i do and just um it's really nice to see uh, to talk to people. Like, I just love my podcast and I just love sharing with like-minded individuals. So anyway, Joan, tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast, and then we'll talk about the summit.
1: Sounds great. All right. Um, so yeah, my name is Joan Greger. The website and the podcast I have are Green Team Academy. And, um, so I'm in Denver, Colorado. I grew up in Denver, one of a really big huge family. And like I'm 59 years old, so all of us kids at that point were nature kids. I'm not sure if all kids now are nature like understand that they're nature kids even though we all are. <laughs> um wait, real quick, Jackie, were you a nature kid?
0: I absolutely was a nature kid. My parents took us on nature walks. There was a nature walk like my home backed up to a school and around their track They had an awesome nature trail. Like I was totally a nature girl. And my parents were so good about taking us on nature walks.
1: That's so neat. And I think like being one of eight kids, it wasn't so much a walk. It was like, get outside, (laughs) go outside and play. (laughs) My poor mom trying to cook for 10 people three times a day. Um, But anyhow, you know, that meant a lot of time climbing trees and digging holes in the background and stuff like that, going up to the mountains. Um, But, you know, so as I, um, at about age 10, I got my first job working for my dad for if I needed a dollar. And he was a petroleum engineer, and so I, um, he would give me the production data, and with pencil I would plot the oil and gas production data for the each well. And after you ran out,
0: fascinating,
1: isn't that crazy? (laughs) I'm a ten year old. Um, No wonder I'm such a nerd. Um, So anyhow, so then once you got plotted all the data, you grab a curve. This was the exciting part—an exponential curve um, on on logarithmic paper a log curve i should say and you just draw it out to zero because you know it's eventually going to go away so i'm on like my fifth graph and i was like um dad what are you guys doing (laughs) like these all go to zero like why why are you focused so much on this it's going away and so that was i was age 10 that was 1970 and he said, you know, I'm talking to people at the oil company. I'm telling them all about this. And I was like, oh, good. The adults have it under control. Um, and and then the other thing that was happening around 1970 was that was the first Earth Day where 10% of the population came out on the street on one day. Um, but what a lot of people don't know about Earth Day is it was really started as a teach-in, like a series of teach-ins. And the idea is people just get together pretty much like we're doing right now on your podcast um, and talk to each other and figure out what is, what do you feel like is important? What do I feel like is important? And what do you think is happening with the environment? And it was a way for them to make the environment personal to them. And then they started working on projects together and demanded that the government change. And that was the start. So 1970 under a Republican Nixon, president, um administration, started the EPA, the Clean Air Act, and the um, Clean Water Act. And so, you know, 1970, I thought, wow, this is great. We've got this thing together. 1978, um, President Carter came to Colorado, uh, opened the Solar Energy Research Institute. So I went to University of Colorado Boulder and it was like, I want to work in solar. And they said, we don't have it. And so I feel like that should have been my first clue that maybe the adults don't have it under control. So anyhow, I got into engineering and I thought that was going to be my way to make a big impact. And over time, I kept doing these projects where the results just weren't these energy-saving, water-saving projects didn't always have the results I expected. And what I realized was it was because there was no culture Around it. We just went in and did projects and left. We didn't ever deal with the people. And so I ended up wasting a lot of years trying to do things like in my community alone, um, spending a lot of effort and not having much impact. Finally, I ended up in Longmont. I started this little environmental team. It became an environmental nonprofit and we changed the course of the city there in less than two years. And So I was like, whoa, (laughs) why didn't they ever, like, I don't think I ever heard the word community when I went through engineering. So that's kind of what brought me to what I'm doing now is after I learned what works in Longmont and, uh, and then I went to my hometown of back to Denver and I started a green team there. We had similar, like amazing results. And I realized people don't we're told for climate action to do these things but actually the first climate action should be start a team that's the number one climate action start a team so if you want to grow more food or if you want to do recycling in your kids school or start a community garden or uh, get a local bike share if you start a team you're going to be able to make a huge impact so That's why I started the Green Team Academy, and now we're in our second year of doing this Earth Week Summit, and before I forget, I just want to say thank you so much, Jackie, that the Green Organic Garden Podcast is one of our sponsors, and that's just like so exciting. So anyhow, sorry, that was kind of a long answer, but just giving you a a picture of why I'm such a nut about all the stuff that I'm doing
0: Joan, you have no idea how near and dear to my heart this is. And do you know who actually got that legislation passed for the first Earth Day? It was a senator whose name was Gaylord Nelson. And the reason I know that right off the top of my head is because I actually have a play that would be so great to do at a summit or at, I have done at many Earth Day events. And like, I'm excited. I have not figured out how I'm going to do this virtually for my students, but somehow I am going to, um, our play is about this little bear, Sally bear, and she's all upset because it's earth day and she hasn't planned anything. And her little brother, Billy bear or whatever is like, why do we celebrate earth day? And so she explains everything that you just said, and then they decide to go pick up trash or something in the environment. And then my other great play that I have for earth day, is called the turtle mishap about this turtle. Who's like swimming around and he's stuck in a six pack holder and all the animals are trying. And like, I have both of those scripts, Which like we could like have available to download for teachers. I mean, it's kind of an awkward time, but I love Earth Day festivals and just um, I know my listeners are gonna be excited about this because I think you're so great. And I even have like a little video I made about um, 350.org's science about climate change. That kind of like they talk about if you want to do an Earth Day event, it's best to spend like three weeks. Like you can get a lot off the ground in three weeks and your event is going to inspire other people to do an event oh my My gosh
1: this is so exciting i don't think i have really met many earth day nuts that are as passionate as i am so welcome to the club i'm glad we found each other jackie
0: this is me too and my listeners are a lot like that they're very um, environmentally conscious. Like on my show, we t- I, like I said, I call them green future growers because it's not just about growing vegetables and fruits. You know, you can learn that at a lot of podcasts and we teach a lot of that, but we are also like dedicated, like a lot of my guests or listeners want to have like a green based business. Like either they sell seeds or they sell composters or they sell like something, you know, information or something related to um, like a green you know, it doesn't have to be gardening or they have landscaping businesses or, you know, it's just, it's more than just, or they run community gardens or they, you know, or they're teachers like me. I like, I have talked to a lot of my listeners who are teachers or they're real estate agents, but they, like yesterday, I just talked to Marla Kloos and she is the clean home coach. Like she teaches people how to use environmentally friendly projects to clean their homes and just, I, I think my listeners are going to be super well, excited um, about Jackie, this. Jackie, that's
1: so cool. And so it's really neat that your, your audience is already so tuned in to all of this and obviously is doing, doing so much already. Um, so what a cool community. And I think so one of the big things that changed things for us in Longmont, just to go into that a little bit more, was having an Earth Day festival and it was so weird for me because as an engineer i you know the biggest thing i'd ever organized was a family birthday party and we ended up reserving the boulder county fairgrounds space which was about 10 times bigger than we wanted because we didn't have any money and the deposit wasn't due until like 6 months later and so that's why we picked the space and then we in the In the process of our first year coming together we raised we wrote grants none of us had ever written grants before we raised twenty thousand dollars and we had over a thousand people come to that earth day festival as our first year ever and it we had the mayor we had city council we had um 35 what we called youth booths so um 35 either youth performers we had eco hip-hop performers we had school choirs that did Earth Day songs. Uh, We had a climbing wall. We had kids teaching about everything from marine animals to, you know, recycling trivia. And then we had 35 nonprofits there as well, and the local government. But it was that and us going to city council meetings. But it was a combination because people had said before, nobody in Longmont cares about sustainability. But to have a thousand people come out on one day, it just like obliterated that that myth. And, and so that's one of my tips is that, so for everybody that's listening, if you are trying to build a community, you're trying to get partners to work with you, the best way to do it is to have an event. And that's kind of how Jackie and I just connected is exactly over this as well so it's a really great example so an earth day is you know that's your i always say it's like uh for Hallmark Valentine's Day is the thing you know they wouldn't consider not doing something on Valentine's Day so if you're trying to establish yourself and get some partnerships then doing something around Earth Day which is April 22nd. So and Jackie I guess we didn't mention that the the timing of the Earth Week summit the actual dates it starts on April 10th and goes through April 18th. So it's the week before Earth Day. Earth Day is April 22nd.
0: And what I love about Earth Day for me is that it is a reminder that that is when my sunflower seeds need to go in the ground besides being a great day to celebrate an event. And I have it's true hosting an earth day event. One thing like my first year hosting an earth day event, I didn't even care as many about how many people actually showed up at the event. I was just glad that the booths were there and we were able to take pictures and put it in the paper. And then once we put it in the paper, it it reached out to so many more people, like everybody in the whole community, because we have, you know, a lot of people in the community get our local paper. And so even if they didn't make it to the event, they get to find out about, you know, a local business that sold recycled um, backpacks out of, you know, recycled water bottles and about a builder who used, like, green. So the businesses were, like, super excited. They were on board, like, and they were kind of disappointed at our first turnout, our first year but then when they saw it in the paper, they saw more results after. And so just something to think about, like even if um, a lot of people don't show up. That's, that's a really sneaky world, trick. And that's, that's
1: that's a really good point. point because that's what I do too is all the promotion before the event, sending people to the schedule, showing them all the different organizations that are going to be speaking or or have booths, all of that is part of the the awareness building um and so should we should we talk about some of the speakers that are going to be on here because i'm so excited about that
0: i was just gonna say that and uh i was gonna say something else but i forgot oh i'll remember it while <laughs> you're talking i'll make a note so i don't forget <laughs> yes definitely oh i was gonna say that my husband grew up in colorado And so I'm very familiar with a lot of those places and like Boulder has a huge heart because when I had a hemp business, um, there was a place in Boulder that really liked my stuff. And we, um, it was one of the, like, to me, they're like one of the forward thinking people, but I also love the way you talk about getting your team together and trying to find other like-minded individuals. And so you're going to talk to us about what the, um, The different workshops and leaders and people who are going to participate. And
1: I'm just like so, so excited about this whole thing. And I I think one of the main vibes I'm committed to is that this is a creative, collaborative way to be online together, especially in this specific time. Because it feels like every time I turn on the news, there's like, you know, it's all about fear and risk and you know, like, which we need to know about a lot of those aspects. But this is going to be such a nice contrast for people to be able to dive in here. So um, Jackie had mentioned, you'd mentioned earlier that we have live workshops, we have happy hours, we also have like, when people register, when you're waiting, you're going to get access to last year's uh, session speakers too. So you're really getting like twice of twice the amount. And there are some incredible speakers there as well. So the, the website is earthweeksummit.com. And awesome. um, if you click on the schedule, you'll be able to see how it all lines out. The first day we have a keynote. Um, it's April 10th. And it's the way these are set up is we have two hour live sessions and we're going big this year. As, as you were saying, Jackie, usually like the first time it's kind of, you know, you're just doing stuff. We had like, I don't know, a couple hundred people last year. This year we're set up so that we can have thousands on our, um, on on these live sessions, our, our big sessions. And then in the happy hours, we're going to break up and use the breakout room so you can talk to Uh, in small groups. So it's kind of a neat way to do it. Plus we have a Facebook group. So do some, some Facebook lives and stuff in there. Um, But okay. So April 10th is our kickoff and I'm so, so excited. The main one I want to mention is hip hop forestry. And when I heard those words together, I was like, oh my God, we need to, I need to find this guy, and bring him somehow to our community, I ended up actually adding a day to the summit to feature him. (laughs) And so Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley, he is a musician, he's a professor at Yale University, he's a forester, he's a diversity professional, and he's going to be talking about how to make the environmental movement more inclusive, and his hip-hop forestry is One way that we're doing it. Um, So I'm not going to go through like session by session.
0: Oh, yes, go ahead. But wait, can you just explain? Is it music or he's talking about forestry or like what is hip hop forestry? Yeah. Yeah. And that is on
1: Friday, April 10th. Um, So I mean, I'm on there too, talking about one world wellness, Um, you know, thinking about what's happening in this moment and how this whole interconnection of the virus and our environment and our health and all these things we probably should have been thinking about for a long time Um, but hip-hop forestry yeah you just have to come and check it out but i mean he's an african-american guy so his you know his his message is that a lot of the environmental movement as we know you know is a lot of white people Coming at it from a certain perspective, and so if you're, it's like last year. So one of the 2019 summit sessions you'll get access to is uh, Michelle Romero from Green for All. So that's an environmental justice group started by Van Jones, who was uh, on the administration with with Clinton. But um, Michelle was saying that you know when she, her background was working in racial justice and immigrant justice, and she didn't realize that in the environment was kind of an issue until friends of hers that were living near um, refineries were suffering from the pollutants that were coming out, you know, the kids having asthma and higher cancer rate. And so she realized, oh, the environment is part of this bigger racial justice, social justice issue. And so that's a really um, key part is that if there's only a few people working on this, we're not going to make it happen. So we have to figure out just like the original Earth Day that the what Senator Gaylord Nelson said is like, how is the environment personal to you? And so that's what that talk is going to be, is that, you know, we might be thinking polar bears and somebody else might be thinking, um, you know, childhood diabetes or childhood asthma. And figuring out how is it personal to someone else and being able to relate is how we're going to be able to make a bigger impact and do that fast enough in order to, to turn this thing around.
0: Okay. Well, that was a good little synopsis. So who well, else is going to be We have there? so what many, so I'm not going
1: to go through all of them, but we have, um, we have a really good mix, too, of, of folks from different backgrounds, like Americas for Conservation and the Arts, which I love that. And I can tell that you do, Jackie, and probably the people listening, like the way that you're using your plays and, you know, bringing in all these other aspects. So we also have a spoken word artist. So um, America for Conservation Arts, Let me. I'll go back to that. They have a, a group called Promotores Verdes, and so these are green uh, sustainability advocates, Spanish speakers. The Americas for Conservation works in all the Americas. So they, have, they went in after the, um, the hurricanes into Puerto Rico and helped set up uh, solar spaces, you know, to, because their whole power and everything was wiped out and, and helped start gardens and community centers. So they're really fascinating, but including the arts as part of that. Uh, we have um, Michael Alcazar is has a project. He wants to get motivate people to plant one million trees on one day in September in Colorado. Um, we've got uh, Roz and Manny out of Pueblo. Um, they started a solar co-op or a coalition of people that own solar. Their idea is this islanded microgrids. They want to have individual little areas that can feed their own power to themselves so they're pretty fascinating group but it just kind of franklin cruz is a spoken word artist he has something called artivism Um, i can't go through all of these but we have things on on oceans and uh climate justice we have the youth sustainability board climate reality project and uh, and my presentation is this Climate Action Breakthrough. That's the book that I have coming out is Climate Action Breakthrough, how to start a team and make a big impact fast. So I'll be going through best practices. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of kind of gardening focused topics that we could dive into a little bit more. Or what are you thinking, Jackie? What's what sparks your interest?
0: Yeah. What other garden, I was looking through the schedule to see, like, what about, what's the Northside Sustainability Alliance? Well, that is a super cool project.
1: Um, last year, I uh, decided to mentor a bunch of teams. I just kind of put a call out there. And over the course of 2019, I mentored 22 teams, um, 22 green teams. So faith communities, neighborhoods, schools, businesses, and um, H- sustainable Highlands was one of our teams, and what they decided was after going through our process and collaborating with other teams, they started seeing issues that were beyond what their own neighborhood could really make an impact. So they started this next level, the North Side Sustainability Alliance. so now their uh, collaborative doing the same kind of thing with meeting with all the different teams in their area. And they're working on projects of like, for example, they used to have a bicycle share program in that area and it went out of business. So now they're like, you know what, we should be able to set up a bike share thing somehow here. So those are the kinds of projects they're taking on. Others in the group are working on um, policy review, so they're making sure that in any of the planning um, processes that are going, that they're informed and they know when they can plug in and be advocating for sustainability on any level. Um, so they have like a, one group that's working on local food, one group that's working,
0: yeah. Wait, wait, which is, this is that, which because I might, our town is having, um this is the North Side Sustainability Alliance thing Tuesday, April fourteenth, from twelve to two, because we they want to build a new school in our town and they want to raise everybody's taxes and it's gone to um, the people to vote on three times now and like one of the big things my husband and I are like if we're going to be paying for this until two thousand and forty we want something in there that says this is going to be a green sustainable building we don't want to get to 2040 and have it paid off and then you're telling us oh we have to rebuild it because we're not meeting the environmentally you know standards and there's nobody talking on the school bond committee about that at all the school bond committee is just trying to they've had people come in and tell us the school's like you know it's maybe not be safe for kids and Every year we're like, well, we can do these minor repairs, but the repairs are going to cost $14 million and the new school would be $17 million, but then they can't even get the, so we're just like spinning our wheels, repairing things that are just going to constantly need repairing instead of building a new school. But I think that's a great idea. Like we should come up with a committee that is in charge of like finding out about green for our community solution. Yes. Is that what you're, yes. What you're yes.
1: This is this is what's so kind of fantastic about this is that once you know that the solution is always start a team, then then it's like, oh my gosh, this can work. So giving you an example, so when we were working in Longmont, they had a sustainability plan they had started like two years ago, and the council at that time had kind of shifted. And they said, no, we're not going to continue. And they shelved it. And they told city govern- the city staff, do not work on sustainability. So when we were reaching out to city staff and they weren't responsive, we couldn't figure out what was going on because we didn't know that history. So once we became a team, And we did things like one day we had six of us lined up. You could speak for three minutes. So we had six, one after the other. (laughs) And we each said, We want you to do, we want to have a sustainability plan. And the first one said, You know, you took the funds from the federal program to do it. You never did it. That's not okay. You need to do it because of that. The next person came on and said something about children's health. The next one came on and said something about economic competitiveness with the cities around us that have a plan and new workers not wanting to work in our town because they're going to want to go somewhere else so we had like one after the next we got to the fifth one and they said okay and we're like wait we have one more speaker (laughs) but they said yeah okay we'll do it but i didn't realize that you know when we go individually And because I'd never been to a city council meeting. And I mean, so the first time I went, I was, gosh, like 45, 46 years old, something, Um, even later, actually. So, but the way that our school districts work, all that is that if individually we reach out and tell them something, then we just, they just feel bombarded. But if you bring a team together and say, hey, we represent this group of people, and we all agree on this one thing. And we're going to ask you for this one thing. So maybe it's like, we want our school to be net zero energy, and meet the bloody blah, you know, some standard, Um, get the energy star rating of whatever 99 and be a well school or you know some some kind of those rating systems and you can easily research that stuff come up with something if everybody comes up and says that same message maybe then you do like tabling at wherever you're doing stuff and say will you sign this petition to ask the school and then you go back to the the school board and say now we've got this many people that have signed this thing. We're telling you that we want this. And at some point they realize, oh yeah, we work for you. Because <laughs> that's what you have to remind them. You work for us. We're, we're the boss and you're our, you're our employees. It's not the other way around. But it's, it's us figuring out, oh my gosh, we are the ones that have the power that, that actually can do this. And so in in my book, in the course and coaching that I do, my system is called Empower. And it's, you know, kind of step by step of how you actually do this. But yes, Jackie, that's it. Start a team.
0: You know what I was going to say too, to go along with that is Most people are not willing to do that. So if you're one of the people that's willing to step up and get together with other people, you oftentimes, like I used to always tell people when you call Congress, you represent like 22,000 people. Because 22,000 people are not going to call Congress for every one person that does, especially here like in Montana. It's a lot easier to connect with your senators and get a response back than I'm always telling my mom this. I'm like, yeah, you live in New York, but you're a fairly wealthier person in New York. You're going to get a response back from somebody who thinks maybe you're going to donate someday than somebody maybe who doesn't have your resources. I just, I always feel like when you actually pick up the pen or actually type that email, you are representing so many more people than just yourself because you're taking that action. And so if two of you take that action together or three of you get together together, It's, you know, what does Margaret Mead say? Never doubt that a group of committed citizens can change the world, That indeed, that's all that ever has. I mean, in America, that should be like our motto. And look at what you are doing. Look at all these great things. And I love the way you talk about, well, we had success in Longmont in the smaller city, and now we're trying to, you know, um, what is it when you incrementally expand upon that success?
1: Tell me about your book. Exactly right. You
0: scale, you scale up,
1: and yeah, well, and I just wanted to kind of underscore what you just said. That's such a great point. That when you show up, it's like, and especially if you say I'm part of a team, it's like you have hundreds, like you're an amplifier for hundreds or thousands of people, invisible people behind you that you're doing this. Because a lot of times those school board meetings, city council meetings will be broadcast, and so you know, even the people that don't show up are going to start getting this message. The so more you put it out there. Um, but yes, the book. So this is a super exciting thing that I'm doing. Um, I've written a few books that have not gotten a lot of uptake. And so I was like, you know what? I do not want to do that again. <laughs> so I'm in a program. So I have a development editor and, you know, all these different editors that are making sure that, the book that I'm writing is going to resonate and and find the people that it needs to find. So um, yeah, so it's called Climate Action Breakthrough, and it's really what we're just talking here is that you know if people understood that this this thing when you tell somebody okay well I want to take an action if you tell them oh well you should bring your coffee cup. Um, well, that was back when we could go to (laughs) hang out at coffee shops. Um, But, you know, it's, if you say, oh, recycle more or, or install an LED light, like, you know, that's, we need massive transformation. And so when you focus on that personal level, for one thing, it's exhausting. The other thing, you know, it's not enough. So it's depressing. If you only focus on the policy level, it's, important but it's also slow and so again it's depressing and frustrating but if you work on this team level like so you could have a a few people and there's probably people listening that are thinking man there used to be a thriving garden at this school in our neighborhood and it's just gone to pot and nothing's happening so a small group of people could revive that in a year and and that could demonstrate then they could go then to the to the school board and say, "Hey, you know we have people care about this stuff. This is what we're doing. we're you know we're encouraging um, I don't know whatever the the things the mission of the school, so student leadership and understanding biodiversity and you know whatever." Aligning with the school's missions, you always kind of come back to that. Um, having the kids take initiative, having them integrate all the science and math and writing, whatever, you know, they could write grants. Um, but when you do that kind of thing, you're leading by example, then you can inspire another school to do it. Or you realize some of the people involved in that go, oh, wait, our faith community. We have these big huge lawns. we could convert that, and I've got a podcast on one of the um a faith community that did exactly that. They had a new guy that came. he was a master gardener. You'll love this, you guys will love this and he was like, "You know, I don't care about battery recycling, all that other stuff your green team's doing it's great, but I want to feed the poor, and I'm a gardener, so he convinced the church to let him take two chunks of grass and turned it into garden. So now they deliver hundreds of pounds of fresh produce to mostly neighbors that are immigrants from Africa and they're growing collard greens, mustard greens, all these like super nutritious foods that the people in that area are used to cooking with at home. And then they're also doing cooking classes, helping them revigorate those reinvigorate those different um, traditional recipes and share it with each other. So you know once people start doing that kind of stuff they realize oh my gosh I could be doing this at work. We could be doing it you know at school, in our neighborhood, everywhere. And this to me is why I call it climate action breakthrough because you know what we've got going now isn't working. We're we're on a a failure, a path of failure. Um, So we need to do things different. And this is the thing.
0: Awesome. I love all this. I've actually been listening to nonprofit podcasts because I've been thinking about turning the organic gardener podcast into some kind of nonprofit instead of trying to make it a business. Mm, That
1: could be cool. Yeah. And so taking your message out and Maybe getting those uh, those Earth Day plays out there and all the cool stuff that you're doing, making it more of an educational resource that could be funded. I could see that happening.
0: And like we've talked about having like an education center. Yeah. Because especially my like by trade, I'm an elementary school teacher. But we also recently partnered up with Patty Armbruster who teaches Um, agriculture in high school and middle school? Well, you know, in this point in human history,
1: there's so many things that are being, I, I feel like it's that saying, okay, I feel like it's the planet going, okay, humans, we can teach you the easy way, or you can learn the hard way. And, you know, things like, maybe you should just grow some of your own food, or, you know, support the people around you that are growing it, um, you know, maybe that's a good idea instead of getting something from several countries away, because it's five cents a pound cheaper. Um, So I think this, this uh, moment is going to be invigorating people and their interest in growing their own food. So that I think that's a great idea, Jackie. Hey, Jackie, do you know, has anybody talked about like, um, victory gardens for this kind of coronavirus time? Just wondering if somebody had kind of come up with that
0: idea. Well, I did get an email from somebody about it yesterday and I immediately wrote back to them and said, Hey, don't you want to come on the show and talk about victory gardens? Really? Yeah, and there is definitely a huge uptick. Like I have had two people come on um this week already talking about the um or one, I guess, came on, and then Mike and I went and got dirt the other day from somebody. And, like, trying to order seeds from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. Their website was shut down all weekend, and Johnny's <laughs> was, like, everything was on back order. And, like, wow. the interest in gardening has, like, spiked Woo. and skyrocketed. Like, people are getting emails from people going, wow, you know, and, yeah, seed people. I talked to this woman, Ira Wallace, last Friday, who talked about um, she runs something called the Southern Seed. Southern Exposure Seed Exchange where they sell seeds and she said they're just flying out of their shelves like hotcakes and just there's definitely an interest in gardening right now as people are home more.
1: It's so beautiful because I mean this is what what I love what I love about this moment is that the people that are essential are people that are bringing us food and and are health people. And so like kind of getting back to those basics of, of what it is and also taking care of your own wellness. And I was thinking, Jackie, could you give me some tips? Because I was out for that, uh, a what was it? Like the start of seed the free seeds day. I don't know. It was like one seed or something. Anyhow, I have a couple packets of seeds. I went and got the little seed starter, I mean, they call them greenhouse, you know, the little plastic thing, because I live in an apartment and I'm thinking other people are probably wondering too, what I I have, my entire garden is one huge pot on my shelf here in my apartment, my little studio apartment that is going crazy with basil and mint. So that's good. But now if I wanted to start something that would be good in my apartment. I have a little bit of sun, not, I mean, it's a South facing window. Um, But what, so it doesn't have a lot of sun during the summer. It has an awning. So what would you suggest for somebody like me and the people that, um, because I'm going to be sharing this podcast with the green team Academy uh, folks. So what, what, for those of us that are just starting out, what would be a good place to start?
0: Well, uh, I, I am like you and i like to have herbs in my window sill. like one of the bonuses to having something in your window sill is it's right by your sink so it's easy to water which is always a struggle for me oh wait but you said patio like in an apartment so on a patio well, i was gonna actually, say i would put i a,
1: i don't have a patio but maybe some of the people that are talking do so we could talk about both options maybe. or like
0: i guess maybe patio but like do you have like um where did you say your window is? Like, is it not like, um, like a fire escape type of thing? Like, a, what is that called? when It's not a patio, but like outside. Oh, like a little or No, You just have a window. No, I just have yeah, a, a window. I don't have access to the outside
1: oh. from mine. My... Cause I was
0: going to say a cherry tomato plant would be perfect, but if, it's not going to get the sun in the summer because there's an awning there that might not be perfect. Well, either. that's a
1: good tip though. So somebody that's listening that does have a little bit of space. Like I know my daughter has like a, um, the daughter that's here in Denver has a little balcony. So yeah, something like a cherry tomato would be perfect for if you're I an love apartment a cherry tomato because- with a balcony
0: because you know they they will get ripe over a period of time you can oh you know what I learned since I have my podcast is you can take cherry tomatoes slice them in half throw them like on a um, you know a baking sheet in the freezer so they like freeze you don't have to cook them pre-cook them at all or anything just cut them in half throw them on that freezer baking sheet and then put them in a plastic bag after they're frozen so they don't get but that makes like a great sauce in the summer because cherry tomatoes but they'll like start coming on way before like a regular tomato like in denver you're probably a similar climate to us as far as like we have a really hard time getting tomatoes to ripen but cherry tomatoes we always get so many of those we don't know what to do with them Ooh, that's so a if great... you great like making your own homemade tomato sauce yeah. and that's such an easy thing to do with like a little bit of garlic a little olive oil and fresh cherry tomatoes and and some basil or some oregano um another good potted plant is like you could do chives you can do rosemary, but rosemary is tough. But, you know, sometimes it lasts for a season. My friend Nola is like a wizard when rosemary and her plants last. They're just huge, and they're really nice to have in the winter. Like, I always like to have something that's going to give me a fresh taste of life in the winter. Like, I really like arugula. I just planted arugula with my students in the classroom right before we got sent home. So I brought the two of the trees home. And one, I ended up reseeding. But I really like arugula because arugula, you can eat the leaves when they're like the size of the nail on your pinky. And they will give, you know, put four maybe of those, like they look like little itty bitty teeny tiny four leaf clovers. You put those on a sandwich and it will like just change your sandwich and change your whole dynamic. And then they can grow as big as a leaf. You know, you can use them when they're miniature. Like when I went to Paris, oh my gosh, the first day I was there, I got the best salad it was, like, the weirdest thing. I ordered breakfast, so I get two sunny-side-up eggs and a side salad of arugula. That's what it came with. And um, ugh, I just always dream of Paris when I grow arugula now. But um, there's so much. There's just, to me, it's one of the most versatile herbs or lettuces, whatever you want to call it. um, Because you can eat the leaves at, like, any size. So that's a good one. And you can grow it in your windowsill, so- like, in a little. When I lived... um. A couple of years ago, I was teaching on the east side, so I would, like, cross the continental divide and stay in an apartment during the week and come home on the weekends, and that was something I really liked there, and it grew well in my apartment window, and the problem I have with my rosemary, I had this rosemary plant that was growing so good, and then I moved it over where the basil was taking off, and just, um, I had lettuce, and I had the arugula, and I had, like, I can't remember what other herbs. I had, like, two other herbs, a sage plant, I think, and... I moved that rosemary close to the window and it just died. I came back one Monday morning or Sunday night and it was just, it was miserable. I should have just left That's it where so it was thriving right on my sink. So it wasn't in the sun at all. It was in my, it was by my sink on the other side of the apartment. So I think it just kind of depends on where you are. But the other thing I was telling this woman yesterday was, uh, I have gone to the store, to the produce section where they sell those live herbs. You know, you can buy live basil or mint or something. And I've put those in pots and they can make it. I have a parsley right now that's growing, that's been growing since last winter because I'm not the biggest parsley person. But something about herbs too is the more you pick them, the more they'll grow.
1: So that's a great idea. And I, I think the, um, so so like when you're picking something like parsley does it matter how you pick it? I mean, is that kind of a dumb question, but I mean, do you, do you like try to pick off, like break off the top part or just go ahead and pick off one whole like stem of it? Or is there a science to, cause I just like with my mint and stuff, I don't know. I just try anything, but
0: what would you, there is a science to it. And I think it's called pinching. And when you first put like a basil plant in the pot, and it starts to grow, the more you pinch it, like if you pinch it the right way, which I think is just taking that top bite off, then two new stems will form. And so it'll make a bushier plant and it will grow bigger. So you do want to, but I also like the other thing with basil, like a lot of times if you harvest it and put it down to nothing, the next thing you know, it's growing back and it's growing bigger and you're getting more. Leaves. So a basil plant, there's always like two leaves and then one growing up in between. And if you pull those two leaves, then you get two others growing in the other direction. I don't know, sometimes it works really good for me. Other times I mess it up. So you just have to kind of try and practice. I want to say somewhere on my website, I posted a video of me doing it down. Like I had this tub that I put outside to grow like basil for pesto. So I was trying to grow a whole bunch of plants one summer. The one thing about basil for us is we can get a frost almost any day of the year. You know, there's maybe a couple of weeks in July, end of July, early August where we're not, but we've had a, I mean, a frost on August 8th before, and that's going to kill a basil plant. Like, it's just super sensitive. So that's one of the reasons I like to keep it on my windowsill. But it is fast growing. And you can grow it from seed almost any time of the year, except for, like, maybe, like, the month of December and January. But, like, February, you can probably put your seeds in the ground, and you're going to get a plant. And I just love the taste of fresh herbs.
1: I do, too. And I feel like, like you are saying, especially in the winter, I – I I try to use it like I would use a cookie, you know, like you get up, you're bored. If I like, if I had cookies, I would just eat a cookie. (laughs) That's what I mean. So like, if I get up and I'm bored, I can walk over and just pinch a little bit of mint and chew it or grab a couple pieces of basil. And that probably has more nutrition than whatever else I'm going to eat next. Um, So Yeah. I think getting that. Well, the other thing that I do is I like to do sprouts and I have kind of a hack for doing your own sprouts, even if you don't have like the whole sprouting kit. Um, So the two kind of seeds that work really well is lentils and mung beans. And the reason these are so great to do with this kind of hack is because they're bigger And so what you do is you just soak them um, overnight and then you rinse them and then you put it into, I have just like a small, it's a plastic colander. Like if it was able to hold water, it might hold a quart. So I'll just put the, the seeds or the beans in there and then I rinse them. And then I set that thing because it has a handle. I set it over a bowl. And then during the day, anytime I come by, I just grab that handle, rinse them, and put them back. And within three days, that whole thing is going to be sprouting. And it's like, it's so amazing because, you know, the other sprout things that the the smaller sprouts, you have to, it's just a little bit more of a production because the seeds are so tiny. You can't do this uh, little thing. But anyhow, that's my that's my sprouting hack. So if anybody's, and so when I, when i think about, okay, we're in lockdown right now, you guys probably are too. I don't know. Um, but uh, I mean, we can still go to the grocery store, but I have beans in my cupboard because I know that I can always sprout them. Like worst case scenario, if I have water and some kind of seeds or beans, then I can sprout them. And I always have something so I'm not sure if that's gardening
0: exactly but it's growing yeah it's totally growing and I'm super excited to hear that because so you can just put regular lentils because that's always the challenge is like getting seeds because you're not going to buy like a package of radish seeds that you would buy to put in the ground because those are super expensive and like I have not been able to find alfalfa seeds anywhere lately that I can sprout and I finally found this radish clover I want to say it's radish, clover, fescue mix at the health food store that I paid like $6.95 for. And because I have this little kid in my classroom who just wants to be a scientist. And I just, I knew he would be so excited to see how fast that jar filled up. And so I brought my John, so he's made me like three batches this winter, but they were so cool to have those. But the radish ones or the clover root whatever this mix is I have is pretty spicy and I have not found alfalfa seeds but I have lentil seeds like if I put lentil seeds in there they'll sprout because I left the seeds in my classroom and I haven't I forgot to get them when I went back and I don't know like I'm gonna try to stay home for 13 days and self-quarantine myself and if I officially do that I did go to the bank today but it'll be like Saturday was like the last time I was like at a grocery store or saw people. And Friday, I think was the last time I was out in public. Like I went to my classroom last Friday. So I'm going to try not to go back to my classroom for two weeks if I can, but I don't know if I can make it.
1: <laughs> I also did. I Teaching is part of my background too. I taught English in South Korea and Saudi Arabia and a little bit home, but yeah, but the, as far as like the lentils and the mung beans, well, I just buy them at, I try to get the organic ones if possible. And um, just in the bulk section of where you would get everything else. Now, if you go to the bulk section, sometimes the beans are wiped out. <laughs> I've noticed that like at uh, at natural grocers, their whole, you know, it's like, okay, we'll I have a little bit of rice left, but all the beans are gone. Um, but you know, if you have some lentils in your cupboard, um especially if they're organic but probably even not but try it it's pretty cool and they're very tasty and because they're a little bit bigger um i don't know they're just really yummy and and uh it, it i love sprouts they're more
0: more substantial you know than the i think a lot of people are going to have beans left over after this is over. Cause maybe they did go out and buy <laughs> right? one of those and they didn't cook them all. And they're going to be like, Ooh, what do I do with these beans? Right. Um, awesome. Well, these are great tips. I'm glad you shared that with us. Yeah. I'm a big, I like sprouts. Well, I think
1: too, you know, our wellness focusing on our wellness right now, you know, sprouts have some crazy amount of nutrients compared to the more developed like the vegetable that you would have so if you can get in a little bit of sprouts that can really help you know we're all trying to boost our immune system and stay healthy so yeah that could be fun
0: And they also add like a little diversity like oh, if you're yeah. sick of eating a salad it's nice to be able to throw some sprouts on it or if you're eating a sandwich or i always like sprouts and sunflower seeds roasted sunflower seeds mixed together on my salad mm,
1: yeah well and sometimes i just eat the sprouts because the the lentil sprouts because they are like I was saying, a little more substantial. So you put a little bit of, I don't know, whatever you would use on your salad, just toss them in that and just eat them with a fork or wrap it up in a wrap or something like that. Um, mm, but, perfect. Yum. <laughs> well,
0: what else have we not talked about today that you wanted to talk about? Anything? Oh, maybe just back on the summit.
1: Um, so the Earth Week Summit, one fun part is this happy hours and the the whole focus of the summit is grassroots climate action. And um, it's been so neat. So people that have been sum- signing up, so it's earthweeksummit.com. And once you sign up, you also get access to our green team cafe our Facebook group. And it's just been so cool because people are already getting in there and introducing themselves of, all the cool projects that they're doing around the world Um, but so the virtual happy hours is going to be it's not presentations it's just let's get on and meet each other and we are going to um, be using the zoom breakout rooms so during that happy hour we'll break people out into groups of maybe four or five people and so you'll suddenly be in a group with five random people from around the world that are like that are interested in this thing. And so I'm really excited about that because we are isolated now. We're not able to go, you know, like that into our classrooms or hang out, you know, meet friends out for dinner or coffee or any of that stuff. So that's part of what we And it's hard. Yeah, and so that's where making it I don't want people to just feel like Oh, I just have to sit and listen. And even in the morning sessions, we have um, a lot of Q&A built into that. But in the evening sessions, yeah, because it is hard that we have this way that you can hop in there. And you might have said, oh, man, this morning when they were talking about blah that reminds me that we're thinking of, you know, we have this new school coming up in our community, and we're trying to figure out how to push the school board and somebody else might go, "Oh, yeah, we just did that, or you know something, so um that's a really that's gonna be a fun part of it, and I feel like really honored to to be offering the community something when so many other people's Earth Day events got cancelled, and so many people are thinking of doing outreach so um, we're we're really excited. And we have our sponsors are the Alliance Center. It's kind of like a, a gathering hub for nonprofits in, in Denver and working on all kinds of sustainability stuff. We have the Metro Denver Nature Alliance. So they do like a Get Outdoors Colorado, a lot of activities for getting kids outside, um, and some others that are kind of coming on, as well as the Green Organic Garden Podcast. So that's so exciting. So yeah, but I just want to thank you so much, Jackie, and thanks everybody in this community for being so interested and passionate about what you're doing. And um, you definitely have a lot of resources that will be super helpful uh, for our folks. And Jackie, would you want to mention about your book? Because maybe your your folks might know about that a little bit more, but When I put this on the Green Team Academy podcast, this could be a really great resource for them too.
0: So, last year, my husband and I wrote the Organic Oasis guidebook, which is called Your Guide to an Earth Friendly Landscape that tastes great and looks beautiful too. Because we, so it's like 12 lessons that are designed to help you build a healthy, nutritious environment um it's a full color illustrated it's got a workbook so it's like something that you're actually going to write in it has sheets and you can download them online too but it's nice to have them in the book like there's a sketch place to fill out your you know draw where your garden but there's like a smart goal thing I talk a lot about time because a lot of people like in the beginning think that oh this is great and they get themselves overwhelmed their first year there's like a challenge for. New gardeners. And then, so this is my fifth year of my podcast, and we did just rebrand. We were the Organic Gardener podcast for five years. And then in December, we changed to the Green Organic Gardener podcast because I call my listeners Green Future Growers because we're dedicated to more than just growing food. You can we'll teach you how to grow vegetables and fruit if you want, but we'll also teach you how to have like an earth friendly landscape. Like maybe you live in California where farmers markets are abundant and you don't you have a full-time job like me usually. I have a full-time, there'll be days in the summer where I don't see my garden for 5 days or three you know like by the time I drive to work an hour and go to work and then go to the store after work or stop to visit somebody or go to the farmer's market like it could almost be dark when I get home and dark's not till like nine ten o'clock in the summer in Montana and so I know what it's like to not but to not be able to garden all the time and if you are going to garden you know it is a lot of work so we you know the book kind of talks about I've done 300, you're like interview 313, I think, or 310, somewhere in there. And it takes what I've learned from my guests, because I always say I had a brown thumb when I started, but now I could, if I had to feed my classroom, which I hope I don't in the fall, but if we did, um, I could from my amazing guests who have shared their journey. And then there's pictures of like what Mike has done here and what we've done here, because we've been married 27, almost 28 years now. And just um, so it's got pictures of like we've done what my guests have said, and just tips to help you build um an organic oasis, like and it even has like the pictures of my apartment when I used to have herbs in my windowsill. So, so how's that for a little thing about it That's
1: perfect, that's <laughs> perfect, well, that's great, so it sounds like no matter where anybody is on their journey, so whether they're first starting out or they just want to up their game a little bit. Um, And you're doing the same thing I am uh, of just learning from people. Like I knew I had this idea of the green team Academy of of people starting teams, but I was like, you know what? I need stories. I need to find people that are actually doing it. And so talking to them on my podcast and working with them, I, it's like, okay, now I got it, (laughs) but, but it is through learning through everybody's kind of individual skills. And uh, so that's cool that you were able to do all these hundreds of podcasts and bring all these tips. It sounds like this really distills those best practices and makes it this kind of action guide that you can really interact with rather than just reading it and then feeling guilty for not doing it. So that's super cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'll include a link to your, your book then in my, um, in the podcast show notes for Green Team Academy.
0: Cool. Well, thank you. And yeah, it is designed to help people to take it out there with you because one of the tips that people have said on my show repeatedly is like their journal is one of, you know, their notes that they've taken from year to year, even though like Climate's changing in people's gardens almost anymore. Things that were working 20 years ago are not working now, and people are having to be resilient and change things. Like, another thing, like, people are surprised about a lot that I talk about are like cover crops that people think, oh, that's just for big farms. But you can grow a cover crop and, you know, get a nice bed of soil growing in like a four by four bed. I mean, cover crops, they're really easy to grow. And so that's something I learned about on my show. Anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but thank you so much for sharing with us today, Joan. You're probably like, Jackie said this was going to be a 20 minute talk and here we are an hour later,
1: No, still on the phone. This is great. (laughs) And you know, on that cover crop thing, I was just going to look here and see um, what podcast episode. So the the, uh, community garden that I mentioned before that was at a faith community. So episode 63 of the Green Team Academy podcast, I went out to the St. Ignatius Loyola Catholic um, Parish Garden and um, and took videos of them there in the garden during their volunteer day. And that's what Paul Gibson was talking about too, is that they do cover crops so that it replenishes the nitrogen and whatever else the heck is going on there because it's 100% um, organic. So that might be kind of a fun thing for
0: Po- folks that want to know and more about beans them. and lentils are cover crops well huh interesting so you could grow your own lentils and create good soil and harvest some lentils maybe and maybe go I haven't out on that but you go out and eat the sprouts that- when they're
1: some of them are sprouts too like just to get it all <laughs> to get everything happening um yeah i think you probably can <laughs> Well, cool. All right. Well, I just want to say thanks so much for inviting me on to your podcast and so excited about our collaboration. So uh hope everybody, so it's April 10th to 18th that you'll join us over for the the online Earth Week Summit and share that out with your friends um, and earthweeksummit.com. And the Green Organic Garden podcast is one of our sponsors. Woohoo! So thanks so much, Jackie. Really happy, Woo-hoo. and we'll definitely be sharing about your book and your podcast um, to to our green team as well.
0: Oh, thanks, Joan. You have a great day. Sounds great.
1: Thank you. We didn't. You went, you went 75. seventy-five. Yeah. What's that? Okay, so I'm going to say this in case
0: you want to use it. On the podcast. I did turn the recorder okay, back on. Okay,
1: perfect. Do you want to ask me that
0: question again? Yeah, what is the UN75 2020 and beyond? Oh my gosh. Well, this is another
1: really cool part of this this whole summit. It keeps getting more and more so I I can barely manage to hit all the cool parts, but so the UN75 is The United Nations is getting ready to turn 75, and they are doing something called a global consultation. And they have not done one of these for 30 years. And what they're doing is basically like surveying the world and saying, what should we work on? What things need international cooperation? And what can we as the UN do to make it a better world? And so we have as one of our um, partners for this event is the United Nations Association of Boulder County. And the United Nations Association is a group of people that support the mission of international cooperation of the United Nations. So they're supporting the mission of the United Nations. And so um, as part of this global consultation, that people that sign up for our summit will also have the opportunity to complete this survey telling the UN, what do you think is important? And so all these results will get compiled and given to the UN as well as made available for other decision makers. So, you know, it's just kind of like the thing that we were talking before about going to your city council or school board and saying, I care about this. This is another way to do that. So when they have this, and if a lot of people are saying, you know, we should do more about climate action, they'll be able to, they will, this will be delivered to the U S Congress and other folks. So it's another, um, you know, another tool that we can be using to advocate and say, Yes, this is what people care about, and this is what we should
0: be working on. Sorry, I lost my mute button. Um, Well, the UN is something that's near and dear to my heart, and like if you ever look back in my journals, you'll see over and over when I write like, "What is my number one goal?" Like, if I could do anything in the world, what are the things that are most important to me? And it's always like um support the united nations international um the icc the international criminal court because i tell students all the time i'm like why are we not worried that texas is going to bomb us why are we not worried that we're going to go to war with north dakota because we have a constitution we have laws we have a system of legal we have a legal system in the united states so if we would all sign on to the un's icc we would have a legal system globally and we could just end war just like it would be done with and I just don't understand like and then my other big things are like clean water because we struggle with water at my house and food and then a k-12 education but always like underlying it all and like Lee Camp I don't know if you follow Lee Camp or if listeners do but he's like this comedian but he's very politically activated he has this thing called his podcast is um oh what is it conscious communication or something i just subscribed to it but then i was like no i can't listen to this like i love to watch a show but he just did this whole thing about nations are not even 200 years old like in the early 1800s if you ask somebody who was from paris or burgundy or something where they were from they would not say they were french like we've only had nations for like 200 years and he talks about like I don't know. Anyway, a little off topic there, but I am a huge supporter of the UN. And so I think that's awesome. I didn't realize that they were turning 75 and doing a thing where they're um, trying to get people out there talking about what actions they want people to take. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, more so now than ever, we see, luckily, finally, (laughs) you know, that we have to work together and that there is that these big problems that we have, there's no one country, there's no one person that can, can solve it. But, you know, again, if we come together and, and make our voices heard, so just as you were saying, Jackie, that, you know, if you call your senator, you might be representing, representing thousands of people in the same way, if you complete this UN survey, and they say, wow, you know, we had however many thousand people, and they said, Climate action and local food and uh, protecting water are what people care about. K twelve, um, you know, criminal justice, all that stuff that gives that gives them a little more. Um, you know, they again, they're working for us. They're they're supporting those goals that people really, really believe in. And now with this whole coronavirus, we see that international cooperation and real you know, the value and the of true leadership and the risks of the lack thereof, we'll just say in a nutshell to not get off on another um topic. But um yeah, that's a really exciting part of the Earth
0: Week Summit. Well, Joan, thank you for everything that you're doing. And I bet we'll meet someday in person and I just can't thank you enough for all that you're doing to organize this great event. I'm so happy. And when you were saying
1: about uh, caring about water, I forgot to mention we have like the inland ocean coalition. So how, what we do inland affects the oceans and we have the Colorado watershed assembly talking about how you can be part of these groups that determine the, the quality of your watershed. So Yeah so many cool things. Well, really nice talking with you as well, Jackie, and can't wait to introduce you and the whole, uh, your whole group with the green organic garden podcast. And I love that you are green future growers because we can all do that together.
0: Oh, that's a perfect way to end it. Thanks, Joan. Okay. We well, have a great day and I will send you this link ASAP. That sounds great. Thanks, Jackie. All right. Bye. Bye. Get your copy of the organic oasis guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just, um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Uh, so like if you have to let the dog out or you want to get a drink or you want to change an answer or anything, think about something. Don't hesitate. It's super easy to edit. And then I'm just pulling up the website. I had it up and then I lost it. Okay. Um, and then this is just going to be a bonus episode. So it's not like, um like a regular like my regular show so we don't have to go like usually I try to go 53 minutes but we don't have to do anything like that okay and just tell me it's Joan Gregerson am I saying that right okay and do you have any questions for me Awesome. Well, that's funny because I was just on this thing called the Green Gab podcast yesterday and we talked about the very same thing. And I recently went to this thing here in Cowsbell called Free the Seeds, where they it's like a giant seed swap. And out of forty people I talked to, I was able to find the answers to their questions to thirty nine out of forty one questions in the book Mike and I wrote, The organic oasis guidebook so i felt pretty good after that usually i defer people to mike because i'm not really the gardener but i have learned so much since i started my podcast and then when we wrote that book together and just because the book kind of takes like what my guests have talked about and then what mike has done here so if i had any questions about it he would just and he read through the book several times so you know we've been working on this for a while i've learned a lot
2: Um, no, I mean, I turned the recorder on so I don't forget, but I can edit all this out.
0: Sure, because this is right up our. You know, we just even rebranded the Organic Gardener podcast as the Green Organic Gardener podcast because I really feel like my listeners and I call them Green Future Growers, and you know, Mike and I support the Green New Deal, and I just um, I feel like maybe that'll kind of distinguish us because I'm a little more political on my show than most people, and I definitely, you know, we we try to promote like an Earth friendly lifestyle and. Environment and stuff like that.
2: Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So we could just put a link to our website there and stuff and my logo. Earthweeksummit.com. Cool. That'd be great.
0: Okay, perfect. So, my new thing is called the Green Organic okay. Garden All right. Podcast. Although I'm still waiting for iTunes to come back to me and okay it. Because yes. it's usually the Green Organic Gardener yep. podcast. I'm trying to take that ER off.
1: Um, but I was going to like ask that. you um, for some advice on starting some seeds. On <laughs> doing some seed starting. Like as a non-gardener, really. So I thought that might be Perfect. something that people oh, that cool. are, you know, stuck at home and uh, thinking about growing their own food, but live in an apartment like I do, that they might want to um start like some little greens or herbs or something like that. Um, so I thought that might be kind of fun to talk about too. That was the only thing sure. that really came up I would love that for me, oh cool.
0: That'd be awesome. And your podcast is the Green Team Academy, right? Oh, cool.
2: Uh... That'd be fantastic.
1: Um, so Jackie, a couple things. So we're not really doing the podcast yet, right? Okay. 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 Um, well, what I was going to say was we should talk maybe, well, maybe we should just say it, do it now, but would you want to be a host? I mean, a a sponsor of the Earth Week Summit your sponsorship could be your contribution to being a sponsor, could be doing this podcast and sending it out. Um, and then Yeah. So, I mean, so we could say that. And so how would you want to come on? Because so what I'm doing is um, I would list you as one of our sponsors and then I'm going to have a kind of meet the sponsors page. So, so on, on the page, yeah, you could have a couple sentences and a link you could mention your book and your um podcast and have a couple links so um you know it would be like that a couple sentences and and some links and would it be as the organic gardener or what would be the sponsoring organization
2: Okay so Oh, okay.
1: Well, it's, I mean, we can do it the way that you say it, but I mean, I was just thinking when we're talking, I could say, and it's so great that the Green Organic Garden podcast is one of our sponsors because maybe I could, what I could do, well, this would be another idea. I could put this, what you come up with as a recording, I could also send to on my podcast. You know what I mean? Like I could do the recording. I could make it as an episode on my podcast too, if you want to. You know, we could just kind of do it as a, a joint or, I mean, I think it'd be easier if you're interviewing me, but I could do pop in a few and then say, yeah, I'm going to share this out on my podcast too. And then I could, if you give me the, link i can add my intro stuff on there um and i don't know make something happen if you want to that'd be fun and And so yes right yeah exactly i often i spell i usually spell team green team academy it's t-e-a-m because it could sound like teen t-e-e-n which would also be cool but It's not what my podcast is, Um, but um, yeah, but this would be great. This, yeah, this sounds great. So then we'll share it on both, on both formats. So I can be, um, you know, asking you, so let's, let's start it as you interviewing me. And then if I have other questions, I didn't catch as we're going forward or as we're going through it. I'll ask you a bit more and kind of summarize about, um, anything else, you know, and thank you for being a sponsor and that kind of thing. Make sure we get that in somewhere and, um, yeah, this would be great. And then I'll, I'll list you. You can send me, uh,